Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Get select Ernie Ball strings, three for ten. Save $100 on a Fender Special Edition Strat, or get a Yamaha acoustic for just $199. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals. Available online and in store now through November 1st. Guitarathon, only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Geico's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. More power to you. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Cavaliers, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network and Fear the Sword. As always, I am Chris Manning, your host from Fear the Sword, and today it's a guy who hasn't been on the show in quite a while, but considering where we're at in the year and what's coming up this week, he feels like the perfect guest. It's David Zabok. David, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you? I'm doing good. So, Kind of a crazy couple NBA days. Um, Of course, you know, we're coming off All-Star Weekend. We're coming off the Boogie Cousins to New Orleans trade. The trade deadline's coming up. We're not even really that far removed from the Kevin Love injury news and from J.R. Smith shooting down that he's going to be back in three weeks. Um, Before we get into some specifics, David, what has been the story that's interested you most in the past, let's say, week and a half, two weeks? Um, I think it's probably the, the Kevin Love stuff. Um you know, just thinking about knee injuries in general, and and I know people have said this is about as good of a knee injury as you know you can possibly have a player go through. And um, while that's reassuring to a certain extent, you know, you look at the timeline, and um, okay, he's he's going to be back, you know, early April, you know, or very late March, um, and that gives you about two weeks before the playoffs to really get going and. It's a different injury than what Kyrie had a year ago, obviously. But we know, you know, it, it, you just see guys come back from injury and it's not seamless all the time. And so for a big to have really anything going on with his knee, um, you know, you just wonder how much time it takes him to, you know, sort of get back in game shape, get back in rhythm and all of that. Um, and, you know, you just hope that, um, you know, it doesn't take too long or get too crazy um, in terms of, you know, who the Cavs have to play in the first round or anything like that. So um, I just think it'll be sort of curious, you know, not only that, but then you are thinking about, you know, what where do you want the team to be in early April? And, and theoretically, you'd want Kyrie and, and LeBron to, to basically be in some sort of chill mode, um, not sort of getting all these minutes with Kevin Love and J.R. Smith trying to, you know, get them back into the, you know, the flow of things. So 
Um, it's it's just not a perfect situation in terms of, of where the health of the, of the team will be. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it. And I think, too, uh, I think the, the way that the season has sort of played out sort of, I think, lends to some interesting discussions about how the Cavs have approached this year in the, in the minutes rest specifically. Um, the I mean, the love thing is weird just because it's not 100% really confirmed this way, although it really seems like the team did know about that he was having some knee injuries when they're on that road trip. And then, you know, he plays on that back-to-back in Oklahoma City after Ty Lue says the big three isn't going to play. And, of course, LeBron plays at night. He plays 40 minutes and they lose. I don't necessarily know how f- how much we can critique that because it's some of the facts there seem very washy to me. They seem a little bit muddled. But optically, it isn't a it isn't a good thing for that to sort of how Lou addressed it. Like it's not quite you know Vladi Divac saying that the Kings got a better offer than what they traded Boogie for, but it's not a great look when the biggest thing people I think scrutinize the Cavs for right now is how many minutes their stars are playing. Yeah, I just think you know the the ideal. You just would rather see them err on the side of caution. So hundred percent agree. Uh, you know, I'm not a doctor, and I don't sort of know what the situation was beforehand um you obviously would sort of hope that you know even to a certain extent kevin love could be an advocate for himself and sort of know what he could handle or not handle um whether or not you know you know this isn't this isn't a few years ago in the playoffs where the team is sort of putting pressure on Kyrie to play when he's you know not really all that healthy and 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 maybe leading to a bad result You'd think that during the regular season, Kevin Love has the autonomy to say, I'm not up for this. I, I can't play right now. Um, that being said, um, you know, he, he must have felt like he could go. And, it you know, it wasn't something where he was going to continue to hurt himself. So um, is it great? No. Um, are the Cavs ever particularly forthcoming about injuries? No. Um, so... I just still don't feel like I, I really know, you know, everything there is to know about the situation. But, um, again, you, you wish that the, the team felt more comfortable to, to let these guys, um, you know, I guess have, have some more time off, I guess. Yeah, I think getting him rest certainly helps. I think um, the funny thing about it is, so I was at the game, uh, the last game he played, um, before they announced the injury and he didn't seem like he was i mean he was icing his knees more than he normally would in the locker room after a game it seemed like just kind of looking glancing wise um it didn't look like he was in significant pain though like it didn't look like this was a guy that was kind of worried or anything like that like he was very jokey with reporters he um had a couple you know elongated answers in a scrum which for kevin love isn't always common right like it's not like he is the most verbose guy after games or in any really media situation. And, you know, that's obviously fine. Uh, So it's just sort of interesting how this sort of played itself out. Uh, Before we get into some of the more fun tradey things, how would you manage LeBron the rest of the year? And how would you manage Kyrie too? Because I think that almost, it's not quite as significant as LeBron's minutes, but I think in its own right, especially considering the Cavs' point guard situation and the creator situation, I, I think it matters a lot too. And especially because Kyrie is insanely important for them to, for them to repeat. Yeah. See, I, I, I agree to the point where I disagree with sort of your first thing. I, I actually am probably more fixated on Kyrie's minutes than I am uh, LeBron, not because he is a more important player, you know, obviously not, but 
because we actually have um, a record and evidence of you know Kyrie sort of wearing down at the end of a season and um, being in a position where um, you know he did get nicked up as the season went on. I mean, and it's even happened this year. You know, um, you know, I think a few times Kyrie has really exerted himself during games, and um, you know he's needed you know some time off whether it was the hamstring issue or what. I mean, you look at, at uh, he played really hard on Christmas Day against the Warriors, came back and, and played, you know, uh, uh, I would say maybe about 75% the next day against the Pistons and then ended up needing to, you know, take a few days off. So, and, and you look at the 2014-15 season where, you know, he was all NBA, puts together a, a tremendous season, um, gets nicked up at the very end of the year, um, and that ultimately, you know, sort of gets worse and worse as the playoffs went on uh, to the point where he only played, uh, you know, one game of the uh, Eastern Conference Finals and then got hurt in game one of the finals. So I just think we have evidence of the minutes taking a toll on Kyrie, Um at a level that we don't with LeBron. So um, I I'd absolutely think they need to be very careful with, with Kyrie. Um, you're right. They don't really have a backup for him. So that makes things a, a little difficult. Um, you know, I think, you know, I'd like to see both of them get, you know, probably at least three games off, um, you know, strategically placed where, you know, they, they get to, um, you know, relax or, or sit down or, or just skip the night. Um, and on top of that, you know, you want to keep those 39, 40-minute games as, as low as possible. So, uh, you know, Kyrie's averaging, I think, 35.2 minutes per game right now. Um, you know, if he averaged 34 for the rest of the year and, and was able to take three more games off, I think that would be good. LeBron's at 37.5 maybe if he could average – 35.5 you know for the rest of the season and, and take those three days off i think that's pretty good um you don't want to just sit around and, and micromanage and all that but um you know keeping these guys from from you know working too hard i think could be pretty helpful yeah i think i would honestly cap lebron at like 32 and not play him on a lot of back-to-backs i don't I, that probably sounds severe to an extent, but it's just like I don't really see the benefit. For, if you're the Cavs, I just think you you have to play the long game, and you're gonna have a lot of sort of back to backs that don't matter the rest of the year, right? Like so, uh, upcoming in March, they have this weird little road trip because of the MAC tournament. They have a Friday game in Atlanta. They play at Miami the next night. LeBron's probably playing in Miami, so I guess that's sort of a hard one to to pick out there. But then later in that later that same like a week later, you play at Orlando on on Saturday. You have a game at Houston the next time. That's a national TV game, so again, that's a bit tricky. But then, you know, in in L, in uh, mid March, you have you're against the Clippers on a Saturday, and then you're playing the the Lakers the next night. Like you don't need to play against the Lakers that next night. Um, you know, later in the year, you have a game in Charlotte, and you go home the next night about 24 hours later, and you're playing the Wizards. Like I don't, I don't know how much you need to play some of these games um, because I think you do want to just optimize yourself for the playoffs, and I don't think it necessarily matters either where they end up and that sort of probably is a big reason why i would just rest guys i would play k felder a lot like i would i would take advantage of having Derek williams on the roster and i would probably 
Uh, I feel a little bit weird about playing Richard Jefferson a ton just because he's going to need to be fresh too. But you have to find a way to, I think, get those guys rest. And because you're going to need all of those guys, not necessarily for the first round, for the second round, uh, but the conference finals probably. And definitely if you're playing the Warriors in the finals, you need everyone at just, the I think, the highest level you can be. And I, I think an underrated thing is LeBron was very well rested for the finals last year. Like, that guy had energy come the finals, and he needed it for for those seven games. No, I, I totally agree. And, and I would even look back to um, the finals two years ago where, you know, yeah, you were missing Kyrie, but but Kyrie had taken a lot of the load on during the regular season, and, and LeBron was able to steal two games uh, on the Warriors. Um, you know, I, maybe people don't. You know, uh, maybe maybe he doesn't get the credit for for that 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 he deserves because um, you know he was obviously doing all of the scoring for that team once Kyrie went out. So. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think keeping LeBron fresh is, is hugely important. Um, I don't think that they can or, you know, would go down to 32 minutes a game, uh, perhaps in a vacuum that, that probably is the right way to do it, but, um, uh, it'll be curious. We'll have to see. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good way of looking at it too. And then the trade deadline is obviously this week. And I think, this is the thing that is, is it's one of my favorite times of the year to be an NBA fan because I don't think there is a better trade deadline than the NBA trade deadline. It is a ton of crap that gets thrown out there. I mean, uh, it's like 97% a lot of the stuff, the rumors you see are, the, are just bonkers stuff. Um, you have teams making deals. You have actual good players getting moved. And we've already seen uh, Lou Williams gets traded to the to the Rockets for a first round pick in Corey Brewer. That's a good deal, for, I think, for both teams. You, and of course, you have the Demarcus Cousins trade. The Cavs, though, because of their situations, because of their lack of assets, and because of sort of where they're at in terms of building around LeBron in the last years, I don't think they actually have a big move to make. And I know that's probably disappointing for teams for fans out there to hear. I just don't really think they have a big move now. They could fit guys in trade exceptions. That Anderson Verge trade exception is gone. That did, uh, went away on Monday. They have the Mike Dunleavy one. They have a few other small ones. You could Amon Shumpert is probably the best trade piece you realistically have uh, in terms of actual salary. Uh, but I mean, David, just just your best guess. Do you think anything's going to happen? No, I mean, I, I think you're you're kind of right. Where Amon Shumpert's kind of the guy you can move. Um, but the type of guy that you would be looking for would be sort of a, you know, three and D athletic, you know, younger, maybe type wing. Um, and, you know, while I think, you know, can we trust him on Shumpert's shooting to sort of continue like it has? Probably not. Um, is he as good of a defender as, uh, maybe his reputation suggests? No. Uh, but in terms of sort of what's going to be out there that you can target, I, I just don't know uh, sort of what that that would be. So um, I, I think, you know, I can very easily, you know, sort of see a, a David Griffin, uh, you know, press conference on Thursday sort of, you know, talking about how, how their big move, uh, you know, was Kyle Korver and, and, you know, they'll be active in the buyout market and all of that. But um no, I mean, I think Lou Williams would have been somebody who, who makes a little bit of sense to give him some of that playmaking uh, off the bench um, and, and, you know, maybe help out some bench units. Um, I kind of wonder, you know, um, all the Lakers front office sort of, you know, changes and all of that, uh, you know, what, what sort of impact that might have had on, 
uh, on you know whether or not the Cavs really had any negotiations there. But um, uh, no, I, I'd be I'd be very surprised if there was a big move. You know, we were, we haven't really heard any Carmelo talk uh, in uh, you know at least a week, so um, it's hard to expect a whole lot. I'm good with Nomella talk. That that makes me um, that makes me happy just because one the only deal the Cavs really could do without trading Kevin Love is something the Knicks would probably never do. I mean, never count out what the Knicks would do, but it's like J.R. Smith and Amon Shumpert back is the way that works, and Phil Jackson wanted nothing wanted nothing to do with those guys two years ago. So uh, I I don't think that's gonna happen. Right. And yeah. Two, I mean, yeah. And I mean, I, Kevin Love for Carmelo Anthony is just a bad idea. Like just, yeah, I'm not a fan of it. No, I, I don't think so. I think when you're talking about, you know, the value of the assets, it, it, you know, it, obviously I guess Kevin Love's hurt, so maybe that affects things a little bit. But um, I just don't think you're getting anywhere near um, the right, you know, level of value back for that. So, um, you know, I, I, I've sort of said for a while that, you know, really the only sort of semi-realistic guy that I would really – be interested in, in getting back for Kevin Love, you know, as the market is, is sort of set up now would be a Jimmy Butler type player. Um, but I just, you know, A, I don't really think the Bulls would do that. Um, and, and, and B, um, well, I guess that, that's pretty much it. I, I think I would do that in a vacuum, but I don't think the Bulls, uh, you know, are going to go down that route, particularly now that he's hurt. So um, unless you're getting, you know, a um, a guy who can both defend on the wing uh, multiple positions and create a little bit and hit threes. Um, I'm not particularly interested in you. Um, and so, you know, I, I think the Cavs are in a, a scary spot because, uh, you know, insofar as it's scary, that um, you kind of mentioned it before Kevin Love got hurt. I mean, or I guess I'll, I'll say it this way. Over the last two plus years of having Kevin Love, it's usually very easy to tell when he's hurt or when he's not, you know, a hundred percent. And um, there is sort of this very thin, you know, margin for error with him, where you know, is he going to be able to move his feet quick enough? Is he going to be able to defend? Can you hide him? Um, you know, on an Andre Iguodala type player, if that series presented itself, and um, you know, when he goes, you know, athletic, motivated Kevin Love is, is so much more fun than, uh, you know, back or, um, you know, some sort of ailment Kevin Love. So, uh, you know, given that they're not going to trade him in all likelihood, you know, you really have to hope that he gets healthy. Yeah. By the way, just for fun, and there's no way the Bulls should do this, especially considering what else they could get in <laughs> for the trade machine. Cavs could do something like Love and Shumpert for Butler and Robin Lopez, and then give them like Chetty and a bad first round pick, and like that could work. But um, yeah, that, there's no way the Bulls would do that. I just because it's like if the Cavs like let's say they there's no reason to believe that they've done this, and we we obviously don't know any. We're just kind of speculating here for fun, so don't like make this new old blog post somewhere, but. Like the Bulls, if the if if the Bulls, if the Cavs, if David Griffin calls Gar Pax and is like, "Hey, Kevin Love for Butler," something like center around that, the Bulls would be like, "Hey, like the Cavs are trying to get Jimmy Butler," and they called they called Danny Ainge and like, "Give us the Nets pick, give us Jalen Brown and one of uh, and like Marcus Smart and maybe and like maybe ask for the other Nets pick." Like they can just do that and get a better deal for for them. Like Kevin Love and Amon Shumpert is like 
as good as as Kevin Love is, you could the Boston deal is just a better deal um, in like a vacuum, I would say. Yeah, and if Boston, you know, is really holding out, you know, I just it's just crazy to me, you know. Um, a this idea that you know Kevin Love is hurt right now, and J.R. Smith uh, has not been. Um, you know, healthy or, or productive for the Cavs this year. Um, you know, I, I think there is, a, you know, a, a small maybe window um, that opens up a little bit. And, and even if even if you don't think that you can really challenge the Cavs this year, get yourself Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, it, it, let's say you want Gordon Hayward to come in the summer. First of all, we have all kinds of evidence with the Warriors, uh, with other teams that if you get the free agent commitment, you can move salary around to make the numbers work. We, we've just seen it time and time again. And if you're trying to sell Gordon Hayward on coming to Boston, are you? is Gordon Hayward going to be more excited about the first pick in the NBA draft, if that's what they even get? We don't even know if that's what the Brooklyn pick's going to get, going to be. But is Gordon Hayward going to be more interested in going to play with Isaiah Thomas, Al Horford, and a rookie? Or is he going to be more excited to go play with Isaiah Thomas, uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, and whatever else you know the, the Celtics are able to hold on to? It's absolutely, it's, it's just way more likely that Hayward's going to want to go play with an established star. Um, and so I just think whatever the Celtics' purposes are, um, it makes sense to have Jimmy Butler on the team. I, I'm just really on the go get the star and ask questions later. So if they are, if they are really, you know, holding off um, because they want to sort of stockpile assets, you know, Zach Lowe made a great point in his article uh, today about, you know, this sort of thing. This, this, it's not like the Celtics are just holding on to these assets and they still have them and it's fine. That Jalen Brown asset is, nowhere near as interesting as it was you know six months ago and the first round pick they used on rj hunter he's not even on the team anymore he's he's in the the, the kenton charge just played him like a like two weeks ago yeah like he's just playing and, and in the top, league yeah and on top of that james young is worth you know nothing so you know people can say oh you know they'll be able to just keep you know using these first round picks and cycling them in and staying good uh, a, they're not really hitting on these first-round picks at the moment, and B, you know, how how good are they? You know, I guess we just don't know that yet. And and I guess you know if they wanna, you know, I guess waste this year would be strong. But I, I think there is sort of an opening this year if they want it. Um, and I you know I guess they still have two more days, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean the th- the thing with the Celtics is like Al Horford's basically at the back end of his prime, like. It's just his age and what he is. Like he's at the back end of his prime. Isaiah Thomas may never be better than what he is right now. Like he may never be this good again. Um, you consider what his game is built on, which is the quickness and the athletic ability. Like that declines at a certain point, and he's basically. I mean, he's in his late twenties. Like he, this is where he's at right now. Uh, I mean, just and it's not like and Jay Crowder is like kind of in that same place. And Avery, you're gonna have to pay Avery Bradley. And you have all these decisions. I think Boston's time. It, they ha- they don't have this super long window. Like, yeah, like, Jalen Brown could be awesome, and they could get Markel Fultz, but, like, you already have Marcus Smart, and you already have Isaiah. Like, do you really need another point guard? Um, that That's kind of my 
issue there. Like, I, I'm with you 100%. If I was Danny Ainge, I would have been calling for Jimmy Butler or Paul George and trying to get one of those guys before Thursday. Because even if it doesn't work this year, you can lock up IT, one of those two guys, and go after Gordon Hayward. Because like you said, you could figure out how uh, to get this, that salary in anyway. You can figure that out later. That's a team that when if like when LeBron and the Cavs sort of decline and when that that team breaks up, you're the team that fills that vacuum. You're better off than the Raptors. You're probably better off than the Wizards, and you have guys under contract at that point. Like I, I just think it's like so obvious. But I mean, maybe they know something we don't, and that's why they're getting paid all that money to do it. But it just seems so obvious to me. Yeah, and and you know we don't know if, you know what the Bulls situation is or or what they're open to. Um, but it just seems like there have been enough whispers, you know, whether it was the, you know, Minnesota or, uh, you know, now the Celtics that, you know, he's, he's gotta be available in, in some capacity. Um, and he is that good and, you know, stars really do, you know, run the show here. So, um, I don't know. It just seems, you know, crazy that they would, uh, you know, wait, but that's, yeah. that's been their MO for a while now. So we'll, we'll hit on a couple just Cavsy things here. Uh, let's say Chetty Osman is a guy that I think is probably the Cavs' best functional young asset. Like Jordan McRae is not really worth much. I don't think Kay Felder is fun- functionally actually worth very much. Chetty um, Osman, Chetty Osman is the guy that actually I think has some value. Uh, per Brian Windhorst, uh, this is him on ESPN Cleveland. I'm going to paraphrase this. He said that he's a, Windhorst described him as teams view him as a solid prospect. He's a controllable asset that teams are asking for in trade talks. Um, And for the Cavs, I think he has value just because he could be a guy that if he is what he he thinks he could be and what people that follow your league more than I do, a.k.a. Trevor Magnotti, say he could be a a guy who could play in the NBA next year. To what, what that exactly means, I don't know, but I think he's young, and I think he's a controllable asset. So I don't necessarily think, unless you're getting something great, uh, by dealing him out, I don't know how much value there is into making him your sweetener at this moment in time. Uh, you know, I I'm I'm on the LeBron sort of bandwagon with with uh, Osman, you know, um, which which drives a lot of Cavs fans crazy. Uh, is it good to just give up assets, you know, for 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 nothing? No, um, but do I think? You know, Osman is going to be playing a crucial role in the fourth quarter of um, a LeBron James La- uh, Cavs team in a game that matters. Uh, no, I, I find that very hard to believe as well. So, um, you know, do, do, should they should they just you know give them up for anything? No, I'd want a you know a real player back, and you know maybe it's something they can hold on to next year, but. Um, you know, I, I do think it's pr- he's probably more valuable now than he will be in you know maybe November of of next year after he's come over and he's playing you know seven minutes a game or 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 maybe more than that for the Canton Charge. You know, I I don't know. Um, so I'm kind of a Debbie Downer when it comes to to some of these assets. Uh, you can't just give them away, but um, I find it hard to believe that he helps a, a team with the timeline of the Cavs. Yeah, I think for him, I, I think what you're saying, if the moment he plays in the NBA, his value goes down because then he's something of a known quantity. It's harder to talk. If he has 20 games where he's been a average player or a bad NBA player, it's a lot, I think it's a lot harder to sell a team on, on him, right? Like I think that just becomes a harder a harder job for David Griffin. 
but I, I think like you could wait until the draft and see if you do something because I think if you're gonna deal him, a you need a good player, and b I think you you I don't I wouldn't want it to be a rental. Like I think if you're gonna trade a guy who's gonna be a controllable salary for two years, which is uh, two like at least two years, which is sort of LeBron's probably the next two years after this are probably the next two best chances he's gonna have to win at his peakish. Like I, as far as we can sort of guess. You need someone who's going to be. I think I would want someone who's be able to play over that time. Like I just would rather be able to get a controllable asset back because you sort of need that. Like it, it becomes a lot harder year after year to find veterans on the scrap heap. Like it just becomes a tricky thing to do. Um, so I don't know, but it, it would have to be like the right deal at this deadline. And kind of like we said, I just don't know how likely there is that something good is actually going to happen. I just can't imagine. There's a deal that, the, with considering what the Cavs have to offer, that's going to get them something really, really good at this deadline. It seems like all the guys that are going to get moved are either the star guys or they're guys that are just outside of that. Like, Lou Williams it would have been great, and but you would have had to do Shumpert, which I don't know if the Lakers would really want to do. Um, and they have all their issues, of course. And, and he didn't fit in the trade exception if that was something the Cavs were really interested in. A guy like Shelvin Mack is something that like actually fits in the trade exception and isn't out of the Cavs' price range from that from that standpoint. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that would be fine. You know, yeah, I mean, would I have wanted to give up Osman for, uh, you know, Lou Williams? And not not really. Um, you know, would I have sort of understood it and rioted? No. Um, so, you know, it's it just it just sort of depends what what the deal is. I, I think he's one of those guys that, you know, there are probably some teams that are just not interested in him at all or don't you know don't find uh him all that appealing but i bet there are, are some some teams that you know like brian sort of indicated are, are very interested and uh you know would would very much want him so um he's a guy that i think the the value would vary you know pretty sub- significantly from team to team yeah 100 percent agree i think he's more valuable to teams that need players that need younger players um teams that are sort of rebuilding he's probably most useful on to be honest are there any names out there whether it's a trade whether it's the buyout market as far as we can speculate about it whether it's a free agent who's already out there that for you would be interesting and, and it, you'd be like to see the Cavs maybe go after that last roster spot um you know i'm still fine with dante jones um which wow, that's, is that's super gross like i get the better I, uh, thing but like he's just not going to be useful i'd rather ha- have a guy who's going to be have a chance to be useful. That's what I like. I don't. Derek Williams isn't like a good NBA player, really, but he feels he actually can play. Like he can fill Chris, these minutes. Chris, we are we are like eight months removed from Dante Jones. <laughs> one play. Uh, yeah. Game one six play. hero. One play. Like um, the, get the guy's ring. Like let him be part of the posse. Like the one he can't play like <laughs> your, your standards are, are just too high here oh, um, I'm, I'm totally gonna be a snob about this i'm 100 no i mean i just i think he's a guy that comes in that everybody likes that's been in cleveland he's been working out um he's been there he's an adult he's got the duke thing <laughs> that, that's a good that's actually like a uh, for this cast team that sounds like a crazy thing but it's like actual qualifier no like, yeah like, like he's a qualifier He's he's a Duke guy, so I think Kyrie likes him and listens to him. Um, you know, I just think he's um, a helpful guy to have in the locker room. So um, now, it, it, look, am I going to you know 
be devastated if if they go a different route. Absolutely not. Um, you know, I think Corey Brewer, you know, um, would be a, an interesting guy that the Lakers just got that um, has not been good lately, but does have a history of being good with with Kevin Love and um, doesn't make an obscene amount of money. So, uh, you know, maybe he's somebody that that the Cavs could could find a way to get for for pretty cheap. Um, but then, you know, I, I heard Langston Galloway mentioned as a possible Kings uh, cut. I, that would surprise me if the Kings did that. But then again, nothing that the Kings could do would really be surprising. So, um, seven shooting guards, David. Seven. Yeah. So let him go and then let him come to Cleveland. So that would be fine. I think uh, Tyreek would make some sense. Uh, although I don't like love Tyreek Evans, I'm not really super like enthralled with Tyreek Evans. Um, Mario Chalmers to me seems I, I would love to know more about that workout that happened just because it was, it was it surprised me that Jordan Farmar was the guy they gave guarantees to. That was sort of a shock to me. Yeah, I, I mean I don't know the last time that he was productive, but um... it, it feels like forever ago. And like Chalmers has the. Achilles thing and like Kirk Heinrich is just sort of Kirk Heinrich uh, so like you know like not like a super high bar to clear but it, it's just that surprised me um like to me I think Dar- Darren Williams would be would be great uh I've talked about on the show before like he would be great Bogut would be another guy that if he became available um the locker room fit with Bogut might be prickly <laughs> but like he would fit, fill a need, I think, and I wouldn't mind them honestly signing a, a big. Like I don't necessarily love the idea of them using that roster spot on a big because I think they could use another wing, and I'm a proponent of them getting another a point guard perhaps. But I don't know if I love leaning on Channing Fry and Tristan Thompson and having LeBron and RJ playing four and and all that other stuff you have to do, and Derek Williams too, assuming because um, he hasn't officially signed a ten day contract as of yet. I don't think a second ten day contract. I don't know if I want to like just put all the minutes burden on those guys when you're going to need Tristan Thompson for a ton of minutes in the playoffs. So you're going to probably and you have you kind of have to play Channing Fry a bunch of minutes at this point as well. Yeah, I would I would assume that that Derek Williams is going to get a lot of those minutes. Um, and uh, you know I, I agree. I, I was all about a big. I, I think that you know Derek Williams, you know can play the four or, you know, can play with LeBron enough in those second units that, um, you know, he's functionally playing as a big, at, you know, at times. So um, if they got another one, not a problem at all. Um, but I think I would rather have some type of wing, um, you know, best case scenario that can dribble a little bit, but, um, you know, whatever, you know, it's just, you know, it's slim pickings um in terms of you know you know you you were kind of saying oh no i want somebody who you know can actually help and be productive and you know that would be great but you know the the options aren't you know perfect no i mean there's not like a lot of good options if you're looking at available big men it's like uh based on p based on uh some pr like you have robert sacre um you have ryan hollins you have Timoslav Zubic, you have Eddie Tavares, you have Jaleel Cousins, you have Keith Benson, like, uh, Mohamed Nadi, I might be, I'm totally mispronouncing his name, but he's, like, there, it's, like, not, like, useful guys, like, the Verja thing, I get, I've gotten emails about this, I just, there's no reason to think Anderson Verja could be useful at all, 
But like, if you may, if you want to see the locker room thing, if he could play minutes now, I guess that's fine. But I think Cavs Twitter, like, except for Dan, our buddy Dan, um, everyone might like throw up. I think if they got Verjaf, based on what we know about him the past like year and a half, every and really, I mean, the, even before he left Cleveland, like he wasn't he wasn't really good. Right. Yeah. No, I I don't. And just about everything that I've read says, you know, he's sort of a last case scenario type. So, you know, maybe if you saw like an injury to Tristan or something like that, but um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on that. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I, I, I just, yeah, no reason to think to me because I'm not even sure if he's going to be back in the NBA again. If we're being honest, right? I, I just everything we know about him, it doesn't make sense. All right, so we'll wrap it up on this. All right. David, are there? What are you looking forward to this last part of the season? Like, what are the two things, two to three things you are most interested in seeing play out over the past, the last you know month and a half of the of this season before we get to the playoffs? Yeah, you know how they deal with the minutes thing. You know how much they choose to sort of prioritize. Um, you know the 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 first seed. You know how many minutes they decide that they want to give LeBron and Kyrie. I think is important and interesting. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, if, if Washington and the Celtics make any big moves, um, you know, in the next couple of days, or really, I guess, you know, and they, they can get into the buyout market as well, um, <clears throat> to see if, if they can really push the Cavs, uh, in the East. So we'll see. Yeah. For me, the buyout market's going to be interesting because I can't imagine that it's actually going to be very, a very robust buyout market. And I, and I think like let's say PJ Tucker becomes available like there's going to be a mini bidding war for TJ for PJ Tucker, the Cavs, the Warriors, and the Clippers are all probably calling him like immediately once he gets bought out. If assuming he gets bought out, um, I'm interested to see how the Cavs approach the minutes as well. I think the minutes thing to me is going to be the most fascinating part of the Cavs rest of the season because I don't know how much I care about where they finish in the East. It's not something we touched on necessarily, but like they could finish behind Toronto and everybody like that, and even though they're pretty far back, and finish behind Boston and finish behind Washington. I don't think I would care, to be honest with you. You know, I think they're getting to the finals as long as they're healthy. So I want to see how the minutes play out. And as a side of that, let's see how J.R. Smith looks when he comes back, and let's see when he comes back. Um, and let's see how Kevin Love looks too. Like, is this going to be an exactly six-week thing, or is it going to be something where – he gets delayed or you know he doesn't he rushes back a little bit like how he comes back and how much time he actually gets to adjust before the playoffs start and really through the first round is going to be just so hugely important a lot of things i think that matter most about the Cavs season we're really not going to know until march until april until those things actually happen and we get a chance to see these injuries heal and we get to see how the minutes actually play out um I, it's just so hard to actually know, and I just I just don't see a meaningful major change to the roster between now and when playoff rosters have to be set. I don't see anything significantly altering the structure of the team and how we think of the team over the over the next month or so. Yeah, I'm not you know expecting any wholesale changes or anything like that. Yeah, I, it just be it would just be really shocking to me if that happened. Um, uh, do you? I mean, David, we'll wrap up on this last thing. Do you, do you care at all where they fin? Do you think it matters where they finish in the standings? Um, no, not really. Um, I, I think I would like like to see them play, you know, one more stretch of of sustained good basketball, um, where they really looked good. But at this point, you know, when you don't have Kevin Love and you don't have J.R. Smith, 
uh, it's hard to know, you know, um, it's just hard to know what it would mean, even if, um, even if they were, I'm trying to say this, even if they went on this big run that I would kind of like to see them, you know, go on for two weeks, what does it mean if, if, if JR and, and Kevin Love aren't part of it? So, um, I'm, I'm curious to see, um, you know, it, it'd be great if they could have, you know, three or four games, you know, of authoritative, good basketball in April. Um, but, you know, the late March, April basketball, there's so many teams that are in tank mode or uh, resting up that it would be hard to take a whole lot from that either anyway. Yeah. And last, last thing for real, let's, let's just rank the other three teams in the East in terms of, and the, the teams we consider contenders for in the East, who do you think, let's rank them, Washington, Boston, Toronto, how do you order those three teams in your own head? Uh, you know, we didn't really talk about Ibaka, uh, but I, I don't, I, I need to see him play sustained good defense, uh, before I get too excited about him. So, Agreed. um, you know, I, I think it's probably, uh, Boston, Washington, Toronto. Um, but we'll see what, what it looks like in, in two days. Yeah, and if Ibaka is the guy that was really useful for OKC against the Warriors last year, and they and Kyle Lowry gets right and they sort of figure things out, they might be two for me behind the Cavs. But right now, I think I'd have in the same order. Boston's played really well. I you know I think they they have some rebounding issues that the Cavs could really exploit if they're healthy. But uh, I think they're number two. I think Washington is just really good. Like they they need bench help for sure, but they're really really good. And and I do think Toronto just because of how what they've been like for the last month or whatever it's it's been they they sort of worry me about where they're at right now it's like kind of crazy that they have fallen all the way to fifth like that's that's kind of crazy for them yeah um, and and we'll see maybe they'll be rejuvenated who knows yeah maybe the Ibaka thing is is what they needed because I do think he does theoretically fill a need for them it's not Paul Millsap but. Um, what he can be could be really useful. I mean, David, man, thank you for coming on. We'll definitely get you back on here after the deadline and after we see some basketball again. Um, just if people and if you're on cast Twitter, why aren't you following David? Where where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, just at David Zavac, D A V I D Z A V A C. Yeah, uh, go follow Dave. Follow me on Twitter at C Rights, and we'll have everything this week. The trade deadline is here. We're gonna have a show post of that as well. And then if you have questions, again, drop us to lockdowncats at gmail.com or do lockdowncats on Twitter for next week's mailbag. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.